0: Hi, welcome to today's webinar titled, When Post-its Didn't Cut It Anymore, How a Hospital Adopted Kinexus. I'm Mark Raven, VP of uh, Improvement and Innovation Services for Kinexus, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Tanya Lyon, who's going to be our main presenter today. And uh, she has spent the last seven years uh, leading their efforts there. St. Clair Hospital is a large award-winning community hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, leading them through a lean transformation as their first director of organizational performance improvement. She's trained over 1,600 hospital employees in Toyota principles and methods. Her background in lean healthcare initially came from five years with a great organization, the nonprofit um, organization, the Pittsburgh Regional Health Initiative, or PRHI, where Tanya helped develop uh, their nationally acclaimed curriculum for healthcare professionals and coached lean improvement efforts in a variety of healthcare settings. She's also interested in lean health care applications for low resource settings like hospitals in uh, Malawi and Haiti. Um, she earned her Ph.D. in sociology from Princeton and her B.A. in peace and conflict studies from UC Berkeley. And um, she has two charming daughters who have so far uh, resisted all efforts to apply the Toyota way to their rooms. So um, a very interesting uh, interestingly written bio, Tanya, um, So we hand things over to you, maybe I invite you to, to mention how um, your background in, in, in peace and conflict studies helps you in the inevitable conflict that occurs uh, in lean health care, and uh, maybe we, in Q&A we can talk more about how to get your daughters to embrace these principles at home. Um, Tanya, thank you for being here as our presenter today. Thank you, Mark.
1: And yes, if anyone out there has wisdom on, on how to persuade teenagers to see the uh, the glory that is the Toyota production system for organizing things, I would be very grateful. Um, hello, everyone, from a very rainy, soggy Pittsburgh today. Um, to orient you as to where I'm coming from, Sinclair Hospital is just outside of Pittsburgh. We're in the southern suburbs of the city in the southwest corner of Pennsylvania, and so our our population, the population we serve, is pretty much that whole bottom left-hand corner that you see on the map there. Um, we're independent, which is a little bit unusual for our area, which is dominated by two major um, hospital and healthcare systems. But we are the Switzerland of the area and stand alone with 328 beds. We have several outpatient centers and growing integrated physician network. Um, over 2,400 uh, employees, and we are the most recent member, as of this year, of the Mayo Clinic Care Network. We just joined as their 43rd member, so we're really um, excited about that new uh, collaboration. We have some very compatible cultures with with Mayo. To give you some background, um, we are on our third CEO, which is a lot of continuity for a 60-year-old hospital, and, and in 2006, we, we began to take... Um, this very solid um, you know well performing but not outstanding hospital in a new direction when our new CEO Jim Collins joined the hospital. He had been exposed to the Toyota Production System as a CEO of another hospital in Pittsburgh through Paul O'Neill. Uh, and the Pittsburgh Regional Health Initiative, Paul O'Neill had had led an initiative with the Toyota Production System at Alcoa, which you can read about in in a couple of different books. And so he had this in the back of his mind that it was something he wanted to bring to this hospital that he was now the new CEO of. And we began the journey in 2008 when I was recruited and and hired as their, um, you know, basically created the position Director of Organizational Performance Improvement. And you can see the results of our journey are looking um, actually pretty good. We started in 2008, and this is just one indicator. Our HCAPS patient satisfaction percentile ranking nationally definitely had, we've been going in the right direction this whole time, and it's true of other indicators as well. Quality indicators, safety indicators, financial strength indicators all have trended upward consistently um, since we began this lean journey, and uh, it's not. Obviously, there's there's a lot to it. Um, There's a lot of good management and strategic decisions that that are around that. But Lean has definitely been um, a large component of our success so far. So in my job, I've kind of formulated the the department around three pillars. Training, which is straight-up classroom, introduction to Toyota principles and methods, which we um, invest heavily in our leadership team. And we ask every frontline employee to attend at least a half-day class that gives them an introduction so that everyone has um, an understanding and a basic foundation of the framework and the vocabulary that we use so that we can all participate on equal footing when it comes to improvement work. The second pillar is operations. That's where I would um, directly support strategic Teams that are working on improvement projects that are of importance to the hospital. So this is where I would be um, the coach. In some cases, a team leader. Often, you know, the one with the marker at the front of the room, helping them process maps, doing value stream maps, that kind of thing, and really. Um, a lot of project management skills are, are brought in in that way through the operations pillar. And then the third pillar is what I really want to talk about today is engagement. Um, it, it, that's really the culture change. Uh, culture is very vague. I used to call it culture, but now I think engagement is a better term um, because you can't change your culture unless you have engaged a critical mass of your employees to really think differently and understand what we're trying to do as a goal. So. As I thought about how do we drive this culture change, and as we we trained more and more employees about the Toyota production system and about lean, um, we realized that we were teaching them, of course, the eight types of waste, which should be familiar to anyone who's had even a basic introduction to lean. And the eighth form, being the more recent addition, is unused employee creativity. So we would go through this list and talk about examples from each. And we soon realized that we didn't have a structure To address the eighth type of waste. Um, And we needed a mechanism that we could use to minimize that waste, to reduce it, and if possible, eliminate it. And that's when in 2010 we introduced these employee idea boards or improvement tracking boards. Um, And so you can kind of get a sense of their size. They were just simple laminated um, posters that were distributed to every area in the hospital. By the time we were completely rolled out, we had well over a hundred of them. And we had some pre-printed post-it notes. And the idea was if you have, if you see a problem, if you have an idea for improvement, write it down and stick it on the board. And then we had a kind of a set process for how managers should respond within a certain amount of time. Um, how they communicated back with their staff, the three possible pathways that a a Post-it note could take. If it was a a green light, then it would move to the right across the board as it progressed um, and got a team leader and you know the team worked on it. If it was a red light, in other words, there's a reason why we can't proceed with this, the manager would at least explain why so that we had some transparency um, and so that staff would know that this issue was raised and it was heard and it was addressed and then it would move to the bottom of the board and so that everybody could kind of see that it had been assessed. And then the third uh, option was to escalate it. If the manager sees something that is beyond their pay scale, so to speak, then we had a system for them to enter it into an Excel spreadsheet, which was reviewed by myself and my department and brought to a, a subset of the leadership group to kind of review and triage and decide, is this something, where does this belong? Is it something we want to bring organizational resources to bear on and so forth? Um, and these, they, we had, as you might imagine, very mixed success. There were some boards that really just buzzed with activity, and there were some that just sat there and gathered cobwebs, which you know we expected. We knew that, it, that there would be some unevenness in adoption, depending on the cultures of individual departments and the enthusiasm of individual managers. But we learned a lot through that process about where these different departments were in terms of their culture. We started to get a little bit of a sense of that. It also proved to be um, helpful in that it was visible. It was out on the wall. Everybody could see it. It was very low-tech, um, you know, very easy, obviously, to participate. So that was another um, positive that we saw with this approach. Um, and then another positive is that we were trying to, um, we needed a focal point for leadership rounding. And we tried different types of leadership roundings th- through the, the years. Um, one of the most successful types that we had was a, a core group that would rotate um, doing safety rounds. And so every Wednesday at 10 a.m., this group of people would round on at least two departments, and we would just show up, grab anybody who was there and who could be pulled away for a few minutes, and we would just huddle with them, ask them about um, staff safety issues, patient safety issues, anything that they wanted to share. and we would we would look at their board and we would say, how is this going? Do you have any ideas? And often what would happen is we would get people who would share with us verbally, even though they had never put anything on their board. And I would sit there with a pack of <laughs> Post-it notes and write those ideas down as they gave them to us and put it on their board and point out, you know, make sure you follow up on this. So it was kind of a way of of focusing, you know, rather than just a group descending on them, talking to them, and then disappearing with their ideas, we would, help see that they can put those ideas into play on their own and at the local level it can be addressed. So that was how we were using these paper boards. Um, And we were going for many years until we hit a point where I realized that there was a lot going on in the hospital that was completely invisible to us. The work that was being done in one department was invisible to any other department because it was all on paper and it was managed by a single manager or director no one could see what was going on we also had no way of measuring i i couldn't i couldn't put metrics to our improvement culture was our improvement culture improving <laughs> was was where i was stuck and i i couldn't bring data to that question there was no way to gather that and every time i thought about asking managers to provide me with that data i backed off because they are overworked as it is and the thought of asking them to translate a body of work that it was on paper into more you know spreadsheets and reports and then have it roll up. It it was so time intensive that I steered away from that for a long time trying to protect the manager's time. Um, but that's when we met Kinexus. And then so in 2015, uh, five years after we'd launched our paper process, we decided that we were ready to migrate to an electronic system. And there are several reasons for that. It was um, it was time in that I think our culture had progressed to a point where people understood that this was just an expectation, that they, if they have an idea, they share it. So it wasn't as important that it be out visible. Um, secondly, we did our due diligence and researched a number of different vendors that offered, you know, different types of electronic suggestion boxes. Um, Conexus was definitely the best fit for us culturally and that it's, Uh, Conexus itself has grown out of lean thinking and a lean environment, and it it, it just fit really well. They they spoke our language, as it were, so it was a good fit there. And now the benefits have been pretty remarkable. So this won't be news to anyone. I'll go through it really quickly. Um, First of all, there's the transparency. What used to be siloed on the walls of individual departments is now completely transparent to all staff, and maybe even more importantly, to me as a coach, uh, there are two of us that are dedicated to lean coaching in our hospital, and we can now see much more easily where there is work being done, where work is not being done, where the quality of the work that is being done, and it's easier for us to survey um, the overall lay of the land and then target our very limited time and resources to the areas that need it most. Instead of doing constant rounds on everyone, um, it just helps us use our time much more effectively. Second, of course, is collaboration, because this was an area of focus for us, uh, like any other organization. When we look at the data from our employee engagement surveys that we administer every couple of years, consistently one of the highest scoring areas is, uh, do you get cooperation from people within your department? Everybody loves their departments, And one of the consistently lowest scores that we get is, do you get cooperation with people from other departments? And that's a very, very poor score. Everybody seems to think, my department is great, but everybody else is incompetent and out there to ruin my life. So we really were trying to find ways to work on um, tightening up those connections. I mean, this is really about lean thinking and establishing flow, right, breaking down the batching and the silos, connecting up every customer-supplier relationship in the hospital so that there was better communication, better handoffs. And we um, encouraged people to look for opportunities that they could enter into Kinexus around processes that bridged multiple departments. And now that we had a tool that everybody can see, we were able to do that more effectively. Um, a team from, with members from multiple departments can all see the exact same information contribute uh, on the same platform towards the progress of any particular improvement. And then finally, the thing that was especially valuable to my department was the data that we now had. Um, there were now metrics for improvement culture. How many people are participating by giving us ideas? How many of those ideas are resulting in action, or what is the impact of those ideas, and maybe the biggest advantage to this is that for a long time we've been teaching the value of Kaizen, which is that small incremental improvement. Um, and it's a hard sell because most people come from more of a kaikaku mindset, which is the uh, you know giant leap kinds of changes, the radical changes that look much better in a board meeting um, when you're trying to prove that you're really doing exciting things. You know Kaizen is not as sexy it's the it's the tortoise as opposed to the hare. Um, and it's hard to persuade anyone that working on some really, really small Problem that irritates you but isn't really that big when you start talking about it out loud uh, is still worthy. But now we have a tool that no matter how small your thing is, as long as you put it in and say, you know what, this, I, I, I fixed this thing where now we take, it takes less clicks to do this repetitive process, and now I've saved maybe 90 seconds out of my day. That is not going to impress anyone in and of itself, but if you feed it into, into Kinexus along with the 30 other tiny little ideas that the whole department has come up with, at the end of the year, you now have this aggregate impact that was not visible before, and now you can make that case. You can. Uh, it helps you. Show the ROI for a Kaizen approach as opposed to um, the let's fix world peace and make a big splash kind of approach. So, those were um, the main reasons why Kinexis proved to uh, be the next step for us. We were were well past post its, and we really needed a system that was going to support a more mature culture um, that spread across multiple departments. So, the next stage I wanted to go into uh, with you are maybe some things that we learned were very effective in our rollout. Um, And then after that, I will share with you some of the um, impacts that we had and things that we kind of learned along the way, lessons learned, if if you you like. So one of the strategies that we started out with from the beginning is that we knew we didn't want to do a big bang, roll it out all at once. we're very careful to strategize a slow um, department by department, set up a schedule, and work with each department one on one to make sure that they were that they had grasped it before we moved to the next department. This has a lot to do with the fact that we have so few resources to support KiNexis, and so we wanted to make sure we did it right. But secondly is our belief that this is more than just a technical tool. It's not just about showing people the technical knowledge on how to log into Kinexus and post an idea, it was really our opportunity to to go through our organization and really evaluate where the culture is in each department and give the culture of continuous improvement a boost. It was our opportunity to sit down one-on-one with each manager and talk about the goals and their role as a manager in fostering a culture of continuous improvement in their areas of influence. And so for that reason, we wanted to do it very slowly. We we wanted Kinexus to be successful. We didn't want it to be just another oh this is the net, the latest newest system that we have to learn. We're always rolling out new systems. We wanted people to take the time to understand its purpose, um, and especially managers to understand how it can be a tool for them um, to really change their culture. The next thing we knew, we wanted to do was pilot first. That's often uh, the best advice. And uh, we had the insight from our paper boards as to some of the departments that were more successful with that. And and it just so happens that it may be different in every organization. For us, it was our pharmacy. The pharmacy was very data-driven. They were very um, scientifically minded about their improvement. They had really good management support. They had some champions. Um, And they were very good about documenting all the things that they worked on. And we saw that on their board with their Post-its, and so we invited them to transition to Kinexis first, and we kind of, you know, we learned... Um, the system with them and through them, uh, and they uh, they were great. They accepted it with gusto, and I had one manager in particular who, you know, resisted it at first and then embraced it whole hog. And she has actually discovered utility for it that we didn't even anticipate, um, which I can talk about a little later. So that proved to be really helpful. The first uh, first couple months, just one department make sure that we had figured out what technical issues we were going to hit, um, hardware support issues that we were going to hit, and uh, and just see how it worked. So that was helpful. The uh, third strategy was to engage our chain of command. And and, think of the help chain in lean thinking, where you, you don't want the outside, some kind of outside department fixing your problems for you, right? You want the lean department is there as a support um, and a resource to help your chain of command, your help chain, learn how to think scientifically and solve problems ultimately on their own. And so we wanted to make sure that rather than Kinexis resting on the shoulders of my department, we needed to pull in our management team because there's, again, not enough of us. There's two of us, we both work part-time, um, and we have over 100 members of our leadership team who are going to be location leaders in Kinexis. So we really needed to give them the tools that they needed to be fairly um, self-sufficient. And so we made sure that we engaged them uh, as carefully as we could. So we engaged the directors to hold their managers accountable and then we worked mostly with the managers. And finally, um, only a very little bit with the front line. So I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit when we talk about training. And then the fourth strategy we had was um, we, we learned with the pilot, with our pharmacy, um, and we figured out the steps that we would want to take and in what order and how a communication plan should work and developed a checklist that we now follow with every single department as we roll out. Um, so keep in mind, we started in February of 2015, and we are now about 80 to 85 percent rolled out as of this month. And so our goal is to be 100 percent rolled out at the two-year mark in February of 2017. So that's where we are. We're still not completely there, and and yet we've we've already come really far with Kinexis. So this standardized checklist has really helped um, me and my colleague as we go from department to department. So some of the wins that we, that we kind of stumbled onto, our strategies were things that we thought of in, uh, to begin with, but then <laughs> we also stumbled onto some, some things that I think were really helpful and might be helpful to some of you. And that was don't make this an extra thing that the management team has to worry about. Now, there's no question that it's going to be perceived in that way by many. Um, But really, most of our departments were already doing improvement work. It just wasn't being systematically documented. Um, It wasn't following the scientific thinking process, and so it may not have been as as robust as it could have been. Um, Another thing that the managers were required to do anyway was develop an annual performance improvement plan. This was a regulatory requirement from CMS and Department of Health. They were doing it every year. And over the years, we had slowly been um, making it a more meaningful process, whereas, you know, eight years ago, it was, a, oh, yeah, i got to do that PI plan thing, and they write down, write something down on a, on a form, a template, they turn it in, it gets put in a binder, and then there was never follow-up. No one ever asked at the end of the year. And so what did you, what, what were your results? It was just a, we just need to have something on file, rubber stamp it. So we've gradually been working on those PI plans to get them to be more meaningful. We transitioned them from the old templates onto the A3 template so that we were consistent in our documentation across the whole hospital. Every program now uses the A3 diagram, A3 template for documenting improvements and project work. And so we've kind of brought that process up to that point. And it, was, it wasn't it was until we started using Kinexus that it dawned on us, why don't we just Put all of our PI plans into Kinexus right away. We had thought that we would just roll it out department by department, and so not everybody would, would have their PI plan in Kinexus, but we realized our entire leadership team could benefit from this. So we rolled it out immediately to the whole leadership team. <coughs> we jumped the gun for our carefully laid plans, and it proved to be extremely useful. <coughs> I apologize. Getting over a cold. Bear with me. So this proved to be useful in a couple of ways. First of all, it was very helpful to have transparency and collaboration available through Kinexus on PI plans. (coughs) Um, But secondly, we immediately had uh, our entire leadership team learning Kinexus, becoming familiar with Kinexus, and starting to pull for it. Um, much more than we expected. Instead of it being something that they were dreading, it became something, a tool that they could see value in. And so our, our initial schedule for rollout began to accelerate at this point. So that was one thing that we learned. The next step, which happened more recently, which has been incredibly helpful to us, is uh, the first year we did PI plans in Kinexus, we had them fill out our A3 form and upload it as a file to Kinexus which was a little bit um, clumsy. It made it a little bit less transparent, harder to get at the data that they had in their projects. But this year, we now have our A3 template um, integrated into the what I would call the Post-it template um, in Kinexis. And there's two advantages to that. One, it makes the data and the information and the story more immediately accessible. But secondly, it also makes it more of a living, breathing, and editable document, whereas before it it felt like a form. And what we found is that people were waiting until the end of their project, then they were pulling out the A3 form and filling it out like a report after the fact. And so we've been doing more training with our leadership team to get them to think in terms of, no, this is actually a guide. You should be starting from the beginning with the A3. We want you to be following these steps. And it's a worksheet. You would you know, it's very common for people to start an A3 and realize, nope, that's actually not where the root cause is. We need to go in a different direction, crumple it up, throw it away, and start over. We were really trying to get people to to recognize the value of A3 thinking and not just using the A3 as a report after the fact. And now that we have that integrated into Kinexis, they can go in at any time and add information to any of those fields. They can change the information. They can back up and move in a different direction. And it's a living, breathing document that is that is. It works better that way as a guide. So I saw that as an unexpected benefit once we were able to do that. Um, another big thing that I I didn't realize at the time how helpful it would be, but as the year went on, I was very grateful for it. And that was the decision by our senior management team to include, um, they actually used the word Kinexus in our fiscal year 2016 goals and objectives, um, specifically stating that we wanted to, you know, increase employee engagement through the Kinexus tool. Um, We set a uh, you know, it was kind of a wild guess at the beginning, but we actually set a numeric goal for how many completed OIs, opportunities for improvement, we wanted to have documented in Kynexis with quantitative data. So we you know, we recognized that we wanted there to be um, a little more scientific thinking behind our improvement. That's where we've struggled a lot. Is We struggle with getting good data behind our improvement. Um, we struggle a little bit with good root cause analysis. And these are things that weren't um, weren't as apparent uh, to us until we had Kinexis and could see more of that documentation. And you see now that uh, for fiscal year 2017 we took what we accomplished last year and we've challenged ourselves to increase that by fifty percent. And again, we, what we're looking for is the use of the scientific method, the use of quantitative data, And uh, some kind of meaningful impact, something that really moves the hospital in the right direction in terms of quality or safety or employee engagement, that kind of thing. And also new this year is we're pulling together a subset of our leadership team to help evaluate completed OIs. um, if it's a if it's an obvious win that that easily meets all those criteria, we don't worry about it. We go ahead and put it in the bucket that counts towards our goal. But if there's some question, you know, is this really a meaningful impact? We now have a team of um, frontline managers and directors and a couple of vice presidents who will be reviewing those um, and and discussing. You know, does this meet our criteria? Is this the direction we want to go in? And there's a lot of um, I think fringe benefits that will come out of that—it's not just something that will, you know, drive a, a meaningful goal, but it'll also give that group of leadership um, a deeper exposure to where we are in our improvement culture. They'll they'll start to see more of what we're doing hospital wide, and maybe more importantly, they'll see the quality of how we're doing it. They they can see the A3 documentation. They can see the thinking behind the improvement. Um, You know, are we doing a good job with root cause analysis? Do we understand um, how to set meaningful uh, targets that are actionable and measurable and so on and so forth? Um, And so each year we do leadership training, lean leadership training, targeting the opportunities that we see. And Kinexus is giving us a window into where those opportunities are that we haven't had uh, on this scale before. So the last section is our approach to training, um, which also kind of evolved with time over the course of our rollout. Um, again, we have 2,400 employees and 1.4 FTEs dedicated to lean coaching in our, in our hospital. And so our decision was we will do very minimum touch time with staff. This is partly because of our limited resources, and partly because in a hospital, it is exceptionally difficult to pull every employee off of their shift um, and put them in a training room, even for a very short amount of time. And so usually what we've done is part of our checklist when we roll something out to the department is that we visit the next staff meeting, and we spend 10 minutes giving a quick demo of Kinexis and teaching them the most important steps, which is how to log in, and how to push that create button um, and fill out the, the, we refer to it as the electronic post-it note because that's what they're familiar with. They, they know the post-it notes and that's, it's just now electronic. So they go in, um, they fill it out, they hit submit, and that's it. That's as much as we want to make absolutely sure that they know how to do. There are so many, there's, there's much more power behind Kinexus, but at this early stage, that's as much as we're going to worry about with our frontline staff. Where we're going to be spending our time is with the managers who are location leaders in Kinexis. That's where we're going to sit down with them one on one, walk them through their role. We actually just did a wave of leadership training, which is a half hour Kinexis training class to teach them about the new templates that were now integrated into Kinexis and teach them some of the functions. So we were able, to, it's easier to get managers into a classroom, for example. So that worked. Much better for us, and, and we want them to be the real owners and the real champions of Kinexis. So we're constantly um, trying to show them how Kinexis can actually support them. Um, it will make their evaluations of their employees easier. Um, the documentation will already be done for a lot of the work that their employees do, and it will help, uh, you know, make them a little more objective. It will help them show their boss the total impact of all the work that the department has done, and so on and so forth. Um, So they are in a position to see the value of Kinexis even as it increases um, their learning load, for example. They're going to have to learn a new system. And then finally, we touch base lightly with the directors we've with every department rollout we have included the directors in that initial kickoff meeting and we sit down with them and show them what their default board looks like We've set up our directors in other words they're one step above a location leader um, that they have visibility but that what we want them to do is not so much track everything um, as much as be there as the help chain and support for their managers when their managers struggle to keep up with Kinexus. And so this is one of the great features that um, Kinexus introduced recently, which is the bottleneck um, filter. And so we've set up these default boards for our directors. If um, we ask our managers, to make sure they assign an idea within seven days. This was the same standard we had with our paper post-it notes. No post-it note should have stayed in that first column on the board for longer than seven days. We have the same expectation in Kinexis. So we basically give them two weeks. And if it still hasn't been assigned um, after 14 days, only then will it appear on the bottleneck board at the director level. Same with things that are left in overdue status for longer than two weeks or waiting for approval longer than two weeks. Only then will it show up, and that's an indicator to the director that maybe the manager is struggling a little bit. Um, This is a board that they could pull up in their, you know, however often they have their one-on-ones with their managers. Um, It just gives them that visibility, and it, it helps, maybe most importantly, it gives them a tool, a very easy tool, to help hold their managers accountable. Rather than waiting for us to come to them and say, we have a problem, again, we're trying to push the accountability um, into our existing chain of command. That's really what the lean philosophy is all about, is making, baking this thinking in to our, our whole culture, our whole organization. This is just how we do things. This is just a visual then. If you look on the left, the, the lean coach resources are, are mostly dedicated to the manager level, that location leader level. And we, we touch lightly on the frontline staff, and we're always there as needed. If we are pulled for help, um, the two of us in my department have split the hospital in half, so everyone knows who their assigned KineXis coach is. We still do you know, technical troubleshooting, and we do we do more of the A3 thinking coaching as well on demand, um, but we wait for them to pull for us. It's the managers that we actively monitor and try to meet with um, actively on a regular basis. And then we only you know, touch the directors lightly as well. And I've also gone in and set up um, customized bottleneck boards for the vice presidents, very similar to the directors, so that they can see all of their areas, that they have responsibility for um, and, and in turn, can hold directors responsible um, and accountable. So that's been our approach to training, which has been a, a fairly good model for limited resources. And so I'll finish by sharing with you some of the results that we're seeing. This was gratifying now that we're kind of nearing the end of our second year. Um, this was our, and you know, I, I pulled up some of our statistics from the, the great reporting that is now available through Kinexus. We started in, in beginning of 2015, and so this is that first year. Now, remember, we're, we're ramping up. So we started with zero people in Kinexus, and we're slowly adding departments as we go through the year. But you can also see that there's a fairly steep curve for people submitting projects. That's the light blue, and um, completing projects is a little bit flatter, but trying to keep up in terms of actually following through and completing them. But if we look at 2016, the second year, we see that we're actually, the culture is shifting where we're really starting to stay on top of things a little better. Um, We're completing at a more consistent rate and and keeping up with the submission rate. Um, So that was a good indicator to see. And it tells me that we're getting a little bit better with this. Um, Also, this is, again, our first year of rolling out Kinexus, notice that um, we don't have a lot of data in there, which is to be expected. And of all the OIs that were submitted, 45% resulted in a change, so less than half. So you can see that we're still Maybe struggling a little bit, the most common idea submitted was related to staff satisfaction, and we kind of found this to be a pattern every time we rolled it out to a department and kind of did a push and invited people to you know let's let's get your ideas um, The first kind of wave of, in, that we would get from any department it's almost like venting a you know a release valve, and you get a lot of things that are staff-oriented or um, a lot of things, frankly, that are environment-related, like, oh, let's we should have a hook um, behind that door for the patient codes or um, just very small things like that that tended to be about adding resources to improve the environment um, or fixing things that were, were directly frustrating to the staff. But here's what we learned, is that that was fine. And, if, and we've coached our managers to, to not feel anxious about those kinds of ideas and to welcome them consistently with respect, to handle them consistently with respect, because after a while, and with the managers coaching their staff and helping their staff learn how to formulate a good problem statement, we're starting to see better results in year two. We've gone from 45% resulting in change to two-thirds, 66% resulted in a change our second year. And notice that now the most common um, OI to be completed is actually related to quality improvement. Uh, it's bumped staff satisfaction, and so I'm, I was just really pleased with this direction. I think that there's an evolution and that you should expect um, some, maybe some immature use of Kinexus or any tool like this in the early stages, but that as managers work with their staff, we did a lot of training this past year based on what we saw in Kinexus to help our managers um, learn how not to reject ideas out of hand. So, for example, we we do a lot of teaching around how to formulate a good problem statement, which is really what you're doing when you submit an idea, right? The, the best way to submit something is to figure out what problem am I trying to solve and to describe that problem, because you don't want to be jumping to conclusions or jumping to a solution until you're sure that you have understood the problem. So this, this is all the A3 thinking that we teach. Um, as, as you probably will know, it doesn't matter how much you teach, people won't jump to solutions. So what we find is that a lot of staff will submit ideas that are solutions. And the solutions can be, um, you know, in some cases outlandish. In some cases they show that the person really doesn't have a grasp of how a hospital works or what the policies actually are um, and those kinds of things. And so what we do is um, train our managers to, rather than reject it because the solution is bad, to walk it back and try to push beyond the solution and all the way back up to what the problem is, that they haven't been able to articulate very well, and to teach their staff how to articulate it not as a solution, but as a problem, so that they can open up all the solution doors and maybe pursue not that solution, but another type of solution. Um, So that's something that we've worked on. So an example I might give is someone might post, we have bad staff morale, and so I think we should have a free pizza party every Friday. Just a very simple example, but, um, you know, the the initial instinct of a manager in a situation like that would be, uh, you know, that's ridiculous, we don't have a culture of free pizza parties, we don't have that in our budget, there's no way we can do free pizza parties every Friday. Um, You know, it would exclude some people and only include some, you know, there's all kinds of reasons to reject that solution. So what we're doing is trying to invite our managers to dismiss the solution and go back to, we have poor staff morale. And often what we have them do is push back on the person submitting the idea and say, "Um, I'm not sure if that's the right solution, but... I'm interested in this comment that we have poor staff morale. Can you tell me what evidence you have to support that? And a lot of what we do is ask managers to go back to the originator of the ideas and help collect data, 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 data. That's, that's what we are training our frontline staff to do, is to recognize the power of bringing data to the table. So this is all trans becoming more and more transparent to us as coaches. We can see how managers respond to DOIs that are submitted to them and we can intervene where it's helpful. Um, and we are coaching the coaches how to coach their staff on how to formulate good problem statements, which in turn helps them improve their skills. And uh, it's just a fabulous tool for taking us to the next level. I never thought when we started Kinexis that I would use it this much. <laughs> I come into work and Kinexus is open on my desktop and it stays open all day. I am in and out of it constantly. Um, I never thought there would be a tool like the status board that we have in our emergency department. Um, We had a huge turnaround in our emergency department. It was the first project that I was asked to work on when I joined St. Clair Hospital. Um, we were really struggling, and we were in the middle of an expansion project to help relieve the overcrowding, but we were also you know recognized that we needed to work on our throughput and our processes. And part of being able to improve was being able to see what was happening in real time. And so one of the best things we did was initiate this electronic status board in our emergency room, where there we could now basically have um, a living breathing, dashboard of information that not only told us how we were doing if we looked back at the data, but told us how to stay on top of things in the here and now. So what you're looking at is you know, every patient, you can see what status they're in. TIP in the yellow is treatment in progress. PD in red is pending discharge. TBAOR is to be admitted, uh, orders received, and so forth. So everyone knows what stage the patient is in, how long they've been in the ED so far, What orders are still out and waiting to come back? Which orders, you know, which lab results are now back and can be read? And so on and so forth. Who still needs to to pay their copay? Everyone who has a role in the ED has data that helps them stay on top of things all the time. And that's what Kinexis has been for our lean team, is that status board that gives us a window into the improvement work um, and maybe even more importantly, the improvement culture of the organization. And that is what I had to share with you today. So I will turn the time back over to Mark and I look forward to some discussion if you have any questions.
0: Well, Tanya, thank you so much for the presentation and and sharing your story with Kinexis and a lot of great tips about uh, improvement that I think are applicable with Kinexis, uh, without Kinexis, for people who aren't using. Uh, our software yet applicable in, in healthcare and manufacturing and all sorts of other settings. Um, lots of great stories about leadership and, and building a culture. So uh, excited to delve into that a little bit more through uh, the QA. Before we do that, though, a couple of quick announcements and uh, again invite you to submit more questions through the question box of the GoToWebinar control panel. If you enjoyed today's webinar and you have not yet discovered our on-demand library, I would encourage you to go to kinexus.com. Under the Learn menu, you can select Webinars on Demand, and you can see uh, our growing library of uh, past webinar recordings on all sorts of different topics from the past couple of years, uh, webinars that that I've done, uh, our CEO Greg Jacobson has done, customers like Tanya, other um, thought leaders in and improvement spaces, so I would encourage you uh, go and check out those webinars because we will be taking a bit of a pause before our next live webinar. Um, we have still working on the, the schedule and the calendar for 2017, uh, but starting in January, we should be back on uh, the track of monthly webinars. Um, some of the topics we're anticipating next year from different prevent, the presenters include uh, lean as applied to construction um, I think the January webinar I think I'm going to be presenting on managing data and metrics um, change management developing standards for improvement culture change other Kinexis customer stories like you've heard today from Tanya um, you can uh, sign up for our email newsletter you can always find information about the next webinars uh, by going to kinexus.com webinars and you can see our contact info, um, email address for Tanya if you have other questions or want to follow up um, after the fact here. Um, here's a, a question for you, Tanya, um, fairly tactical question. How many people within your organization have access to view Kinexus, to submit ideas, and to have administrator access?
1: Um, that's a good question because I've heard that you know different clients have configured it differently. Some people only um, have their management team active in Kinexis. We made the decision to make it available to 100% of our employees. This is basically because we were converting from an existing system that invited every employee to participate um, in giving ideas for improvement. And so we wanted to keep that access but but simply use a tool that gave us more transparency and and data and so forth. Um, so we have, uh, by the time we're done, in February, we'll have all 2,400 up and running and that they would have access to, they would have visibility, they could submit ideas, and they could they could search and view and see everything that's going on in Kinexis. Um, we would only have about 100, maybe 120 location leaders. And those are the people who, um, you know, have a little bit more of uh, an administrative role where they are actually assigning, um, transferring, and managing those ideas. And then, of course, there's only the two of us who have the full, you know, administrative responsibility for the system.
0: Thanks, Tanya. And, you know, I would add, um, you know, like you said, um, Tanya, different kind customers use the system in different ways to support different, Improvement models and and modes, and we're certainly big advocates of the idea of Kaizen and getting everybody involved in um, small improvements, hanging hooks, like you mentioned, Tanya. Um, We also have customers using Kinexus to manage um, Kaizen events or rapid improvement events, um, A3 initiatives, larger projects. Um, It's it's meant to be configured for for what different customers uh, are doing and, and hopefully moving in a path toward, um, you know, like Masaki Amai says, everybody, everywhere, every day uh, improvement. There was another question, Tanya, um, it says, you know, some of my favorite authors of lean books um, have a similar background to yours, Jeff Liker is a sociologist, David Mann has a social science background. How do you think that your educational background gives you a unique or helpful view of lean compared to Um, typical engineers and MBAs. And as an engineer and MBA, I'll I'll, I'll choose to, there's no offense meant there. It's great to have different perspectives and backgrounds. But Tanya, how do you think your background gives you a unique um, perspective or approach that others can learn from?
1: Um, Maybe two, two things that I can think of. One is that as a social scientist I mean, what drew me into the social sciences is this Hunger and curiosity about uh, people in groups and and how people function together or don't function together, and how they organize themselves, and how do you build an organization like a hospital or anything else that works for people and not the other way around? Um, So I am—that's just a point of fascination to me, and I think it—it helps to have that um, that curiosity and that passion for making something work for people and not just making the process more efficient. I think that served me well um, to understand that that 50% of the Toyota approach is people. It's half process, half people. And so it's a good match um, to have that balance, I think, with a social science background. Um, The other thing is just having been trained, in an academic world with a PhD, which is kind of an unusual degree to have for the role that I'm playing now, um, has been useful because this is a brand new field. You know, this is so young. We've only been doing this for you know 10 to 15 years in healthcare. Um, when I started this job eight years ago, there were two books that had been written about lean healthcare, basically two or three books, and one of them was yours, Mark. And mm. uh, and that was it. And now I have behind me in my office, uh, you know, two shelves full. Um, and one of them is only healthcare, just lean healthcare, and so the the the, the field has grown enormously. And I think that my training um, in learning how to absorb the literature of a discipline, um, you know, read a lot and and figure it out in a very short amount of time, has also served me well. It's kind of a different skill set.
0: Yeah, the, I think that's, that's something that's important. With lean or interfe- any field, the ability, the desire to keep learning, as opposed to saying like, oh yeah, yeah, I've learned that past tense. I mean, it's it's something yes. that I, that's what fascinates me about lean. There's always something to learn and, and get better at. And I'm
1: the kind of person who, if if uh, you know, I have to have all the literature. <laughs> if <laughs> something comes out, I need to know about it. I need to I need to own it um, and get a feel for for where the you know where the field is going. So.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's see, another question here, Um, you you mentioned managers already being overworked. That's uh, a serious problem where we are too. Um, What what do you think are are some of the, have you figured out some root causes of that overwork and different countermeasures to to free up time so that they can spend, let's say, more time on improvement?
1: Uh, There are as many reasons as there are departments, I think. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of imbalance. One of, one of the things that I would love to figure out how to do in healthcare in particular, in hospitals, is uh, the idea of span of control, which is something that I, that I saw as being an, an very carefully designed in Toyota. And by span of control, I mean the number of people who report to you. Um, if you have a model that is based on coaching, if, if one of your primary functions as a manager is to develop your people, as it is in Toyota, then that's a very time-consuming, you know, t- role or task to have. And so, the, the fact that Toyota limits its span of control to about five to seven people as a rule um, enables them to really take that role seriously in their in their management teams. Whereas I have, I recently did a. Um, actually pulled the data and, and ran it for our hospital, and the average span of control is 13.5 people. Mm-hmm. But we have a good number, specifically our nurse managers, who have um, between 50 to all the way up to 88 is our highest. Um, and I, I'm curious to know what that span of control data looks like in other hospitals as well. How can you ask someone to coach and develop their people if they have to, you know, evaluate the performance of 80 people? Uh, I don't know how any one person can do that. And so I, I think that's actually an in this industry crisis. It's something yeah. that we're going to have to figure out as an industry. It's certainly not unique to us. Um, but I, that's that's an issue I would really welcome insights on.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I haven't seen formal research, but um, I, I agree it's a big problem. I, I've talked to managers. It's not unusual to have 30, 40, 50 direct reports in uh, healthcare settings, and managers can barely keep up with payroll and vacation requests sometimes, exactly. yet alone um, any sort of higher or higher level management tasks. Um, uh, you know I've seen some organizations that, in the past, I mean thetacare is an example, they've told the story of how they had eliminated a layer of management in the name of cost reduction. And as they got into their lean journey, they realized, oh, wait a minute, maybe that was short-sighted and counterproductive. They added a layer of management back in um, with the expectation, I think, the assumption, uh, my hypothesis would be that level of management pays for itself if you have them doing the types of things that engage uh, people in improvement. Um, They're they're not just being administrators, they're being leaders.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely and you know as far as how do we decompress that that's the eternal question of lean right it's kind of a vicious cycle they're too busy to improve but they'll they're always going to be too busy unless they improve <laughs> and so yeah. how do we work with them to remove some of the waste and a lot of that is accomplished through good it systems that automate i'm i continue to be amazed at how how little time we spend again i think this is industry wide in healthcare um, training our managers to use the tools that are available to them to shortcut some of the work that they do. A lot of work that I see managers doing is incredibly uh, labor intensive, manually intensive, and doesn't have to be if they, you know, if they knew how to use Excel more effectively. Those kinds of things. You know, some of it is just like low-hanging fruit opportunities like that. Um, and some of it is, you know, deeper. We need to do a value stream map and take this apart and ask ourselves. We spent a year looking at our meeting culture and reevaluating um, how much time are we spending in meetings. We did we did surveys and data. We collected data on, on the time that our management team spent in meetings. We did some training and, and some discussion around um, how, do we, how do we practice what we preach as a management team. We keep asking our frontline staff to reduce waste. What about mm-hmm. the waste? Our work. Where can we? Where do we have waste in our meetings? Are we holding the right meetings? Are they the right length of time? Um, are people coming prepared so that it's an effective use of time, and so on and so forth? So these are some of the strategies that we've used to try to decompress our management team a little bit.
0: Yeah, and and there's a related question. You, you've touched on some of this already. A question from Michael um, on management overload. How does Kinexis help alleviate some of that pressure? You know, I've heard. Other customers talk about how you know uh, people in a role like yours, Tanya, um, it, it's a huge time saver in terms of not having to do as much report generation. That they can use that time to coach people around root cause analysis and not jumping to solutions and some of the types of things you mentioned. And you know, I've also heard people say just delegating and empowering uh, kaizen to everyone on your staff is a net time saver for the manager, that they don't have to solve every problem anymore. Once they make that initial investment and in, in showing people how to improve. Um, do, do you have any other thoughts you would add? Uh, yeah, ab-
1: absolutely. The, the delegation piece, um, where they can still where it's still fairly transparent, so they don't feel like they're you know completely losing control, it's much easier to manage, um, to oversee a number of different projects when they're all visible to you from your computer. Um, and then the other the other time saver, frankly, is with the evaluations. That's a that's a huge um, time consumer once a year for our managers. And now they have a tool that um, gives them data at their fingertips uh, about you know to what extent their 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 staff are not just doing their jobs, but actually you know improving their jobs. So they're not just meeting expectations, but they're exceeding expectations. And I think it gives the staff. Um, it gives them a more level playing field to show their good work um, without having to rely on the manager necessarily happening to be you know, present on that shift, for example.
0: And, and that phrase you used is a, a Toyota expression. Um, our, our customer, Mary Greeley Medical Center, has used the same phrase, You know that everyone has two jobs, to, to do your work and to improve your work. And I, you know, I think one of the keys there, I mean, that can sound scary, to staff, they say, well, I don't have time to just do my regular work as it is. How am I going to improve? And you know, if managers are coaching them instead of just dumping the improvement on them, um, I think that helps. Um, you know, you've got to get the ball rolling. And, and I think the beauty of small improvements like hanging a hook for the patients is that that's not really time consuming. It gets the ball rolling. Hopefully staff free up time, which allows them to work on more improvement. And Now we're getting a virtuous cycle instead of yeah. that hamster wheel of not being busy enough to improve, and then things just get worse, right? Absolutely. Very well said. Yeah. Um, one other question here before we'll wrap up. Um, uh, you talked about the pros of KineXis and how it was better than your boards. Is there anything that you miss about those physical boards that the software, uh, the software doesn't do?
1: Um, that's an interesting question, because my goal for this coming year is to lay the groundwork for daily huddles. we We don't yet have um, you know a management operating system, and you know the value of um, having a board that you can meet in front of at a daily huddle helps focus. It puts the data in front of everybody. And so we're actually kind of trying to look at how do we put Kinexis in front of everybody? How do we have, um, screens that might be available, how can we use the Kinexus board as our huddle board? And I know that that's being explored by, by other clients, and it's something we're looking into as well. So in the sense that it's a physical focal point to gather around and touch base with people, um, we're looking for ways to figure out how to take that electronic tool yeah. and have it be that, that focal point for, for huddles. But I, I think it's possible.
0: Well, it, it is possible, and I would encourage you, Tony, to talk to our, uh, to our product team, because there are some things in the works, actually, to address that situation, because other people bring up that same idea, that um, having something to huddle around is really helpful, and, and there's a particular type of view that would be helpful for that, different than the bottleneck boards or the reports or right. the screens that, that you use. So. Um, I think that's something we'll be able to help you with in 2017. So that ended up being a very, I think, inadvertently leading question <laughs> on the part of uh, the person who asked that. But I understand the the, the question and the concern. I'm, I'm glad you're thinking about that. And, you know, helping us improve the software as you improve the way you improve. So I um, want to thank you. Uh, again, our presenter today has been... Um, Tanya Lyon from uh, St. Clair Hospital. Tanya, thank you so much for the presentation and the Q&A time today. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Mark, and thank you, everyone.